to Tehila. Um, we are so glad you're here again. If you're a guest, we are just honored to have you in this place. If you don't know what Tehila is, what it is simply is three things. Number one, it's a well. It's where people can come and drink spiritually, where they can get filled up and refreshed. Number two, it's a training ground. It's where people, we believe in equipping people, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. And we want to do number three as well, launch people into whatever ministry that they are in. Now, to be clear, we are not a church, but we are aim and we are designed to serve the church in Calgary and across Canada. So if you're here, welcome. And before I really get into my talk, um, I just felt, again, as a few people have said, the significance of tonight, the presence of Jesus in this place. And I don't know if it was Raph or Karina were so anointed. Raph's getting married this week. I have no idea. Uh, but um, I don't know if it's because of that. But what I want you to take notice, and maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I don't feel anything, James. Like, come on, man. We're really saying that? But I just want you to take notice because what I find, and I've been thinking about this lately, I was talking to Raph about it last night, is that I, sometimes we can, be so, we can become so accustomed to the presence of God that we get numb to it. It's almost like, for an example, I'll use this as an example, not that uh, we want to practice this or learn how to have this, but it's like a, a, a tolerance for alcohol. The more you drink it, the less you feel it, right? Not that you guys would know that or experience that, not that you're testing those limits or anything like that. But the more you feel it, the less you, the more you drink it, the less you feel it. And sometimes that can be same with God, where you can in some sense develop somewhat of a high God presence tolerance, where it's like, oh, I don't feel that anymore. It doesn't affect me. But what I really believe tonight and believe in this next season is going to be significant for us is that presence, that we need to tune into it and tune our ear to it. Because his presence is always moving, it's always working, it's always actively trying to impact your life, your world, and who you are. But a lot of times we just don't hear it, we don't see it, we don't sense it. So my encouragement, feel the significance of tonight, feel the significance of God's presence in the room. And try to say, God, literally, here's, okay, all right, all right, all right. I had the worst time, the hardest time trying to feel the Lord. So my desire, because I was weak in my faith and I was just, I just wanted a feeling, I just prayed. Now this may seem, seem weird to you, but I prayed, I'm like, God, I just want to feel your presence. Like, please just give me something. It doesn't have to be like this crazy drop me on the floor or I'm crying every time I'm in your presence. But what he simply did was when I put my hands out, it sounds funny. I don't even remember said this out loud, but I literally just get, I feel weight in my hands, even though there's nothing in there. Nothing on my hands. And that sometimes can be God's presence where it's a tangible feeling, where you do experience something. Now, do we base our life off our feelings? No. Do we base our Christianity off of whether we feel God? No. But it's a practice for us to be aware, to tune ourselves in to the presence of God. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay. All right, everybody, let's thank Pastor Michael. He's amazing, and he's an absolute legend. Cody, just want to pass me that water. Thank you so much. All right, tonight we begin our new season here at Tehila. Somebody! I'm excited for it. I don't know if you're excited for it, but I'm excited for it. And what we are framing this season around, and it'll be up on the screen in a moment, is fire. Slap your neighbor and say, fire. 
and formation. Slap your other neighbor and say, formation. What's that Beyonce song? All right, ladies, let's get in formation. Uh, you know that song? No, you guys don't know that song? That's all right. But really quickly, before we dive into this evening's text, some of us in here may not know what spiritual formation is. We may not have a clue. We may, may just sometimes it's a little bit of a Christian ease word, and in fact, it doesn't actually say anything about spiritual formation in the Bible, yet there are principles about it. And spiritual formation simply is what it simply is, and I'll explain this and I'll say it twice. It is the lifelong process of how we change to become more like Jesus. I'll say it again. The lifelong process of how we change to become more like Jesus. Now, for many of us, we just assume that uh, if we go to church, if we're in a small group, if we uh, listen to some podcasts, read a couple books, we will, over time, become more like Jesus. We're just like, yeah, that's the practical way to do that. No problem. That if we simply gain knowledge and understanding and basically get a download of all things and we we read the scriptures and we get it in our mind and and, and, and we, we learn a lot of things in our head how to be a follower of Jesus, we think that that will help us accomplish actually becoming like Jesus. Now, yes, on one hand, reading the scripture, learning knowledge, experiencing all those things are all good things. They do help. But oftentimes, if we're honest, Just gaining the knowledge and know-how doesn't exactly equate to you, I, or us becoming a reflection of Jesus. Am I right? Just because people go to church or in a small group or read their Bible sometimes doesn't equal them becoming like like Jesus. Taking notes, singing songs are great, and the occasional Bible study is great, but it doesn't always equal us being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. So again, I repeat, and I'll say it again, what spiritual formation is, is it's a process of doing spiritual disciplines. And slowly, little by little, by the things we practice, we, over a long period of time, it's a lifelong process, begin to become a reflection of Jesus. And let me reiterate it to make it clear that it is a lifelong process. It's not an overnight thing. There's no like, boom, I'm like formed in Christ. There's no, none of that. No, no, no. It is a lifelong journey. And the writers of the scripture know this, that this process, man, it is a grueling one as well. I'm just going to warn you, it is not easy. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul, which will be our theme text for this season out to Gila. So please write this down. Make note of this. It's in 2 Timothy 2 verses 3 to 7. And he says this, suffer hardship with me. Notice these three descriptive people that he uses. As a good soldier of Christ, Jesus, listen to this, no soldier is active, sorry, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as the soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. Also, the hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. See, our life goal, friends, our life goal is to achieve and receive these three rewards that are described in this text. The first, to please the one who enlisted us as a soldier, to do the Father's will. That first and foremost is our life goal. But the second is as an athlete. 
winning the prize according to the, what did it say? Rules. Sometimes we can win the prize and we made some shortcuts. That's not actually how you win the prize. You do it according to the rules. You do it with integrity, with character, with a heart that's pure. And that is the right way to win. Not by cheating, not by just cutting corners, but by doing it the right way. And thirdly, to receive our share of the crops that we sowed and reaped as a farmer. We're destined to be co, to co-inherit the riches of the kingdom as sons and daughters, but... What does it say? As it takes hard work like the farmer does. Now, the Apostle Paul is being super intentional with these three analogies. He's being extremely intentional because they speak to the difficulty of a life of being a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus. How many people think it's easy to be a soldier? Anybody? No. How about an athlete? Anybody? If you want to be good, it's not easy. A farmer? Anybody? No. Like, none of us think that, but all three of these analogies that the the Apostle Paul is using, they have a common thing about them. They're all disciplined, they all have self-control, and they all have perseverance. And now, in the words of John Mark Comer, in order to become any or all three of these examples, none of them try their way into it, but they train their way into it. A soldier just doesn't try, try harder to become a better soldier. I'm going to hit the target, or I'm going to fly this plane, or I'm going to ride this horse, or I'm going to do whatever. Like, I'm just going to try, I'm going to really try harder. No, 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 they train, they endlessly practice for battle. An athlete, man, they don't, they don't just try their way into becoming a champion. It's not, it's, not just, it's not just natural talent that takes them there, because as the great Kevin Durant said, hard work beats talent anytime talent doesn't work hard, amen? amen? Kevin Durant, he didn't get his way to two rings. Well, he kind of snaked his way into two rings, but I mean, it's neither here nor there, not what we're talking about today. But he didn't, get, he didn't become the most prolific scorer in NBA history right now by just hanging out and just practicing. No, he had drills, fundamentals. He had multiple coaches. Every aspect of his life he trained, his body, mind, soul, emotions, and his spirit. And it's the same with the farmer. Farmers don't just luck out. They meticulously study the earth, till the soil, plant the seeds, work hard, and reap a harvest. See, friends, this is what spiritual formation is to a Christian, to a disciple. It's exercises and practices drills that form you into becoming more like Jesus. Things you do that end up shaping your mind, soul, body, and spirit into thinking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, doing what Jesus did, all by practicing what Jesus practiced. So I want to read our primary text for tonight and take us on a journey to discover over these next 16 weeks exactly why we are called to do these things, why we should implement them in our daily routine, and how they will transform our lives. Sound good? Is everybody into it? Y'all down for the preaching of the word? Okay. Let's read this text from Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to start this. I'm just bringing this on the ushers. We've got a bunch of Bibles up here. If you do not have a Bible, just put your hand up and Karina and Pastor Michael will come give you a Bible and then you can just return it right up to the front after or keep it. We don't care. But we want to make sure everybody has a Bible who does not have one. So it says this in verse 14. If you don't have one, it's also up on the screen. Got you guys. Let's go. Verse 14, it says this. And then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that 
we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast. Jesus calmly, coolly, collected, he, he just simply answers. He says, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and then they will fast. No one sews a patch, listen to this, a, a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight, neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. Now, sorry, no, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are what? Preserved. Let's pray. God, we thank you for tonight. God, we thank you for your manifest presence in here. God, we thank you that you are good, that you love us, that you're for us. God, we thank you that, God, you got plans for tonight. You got plans for Tehillah. And God, I just pray that we would all come in line with these plans as followers and disciples of you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. So as per usual, question for you guys. Have you ever had a challenge in front of you where you thought you were ready for, but you weren't? Anybody? Like that exam you got to write, you're like, oh yeah, I studied, I'm ready to go, and then the professor psychs you out, it's like nothing that I was on the study guide, nothing we learned in class. Have you ever had that happen before? Where you were like, man, you're going into a confidence, you're like, okay, what's up, dog, I got this, like, no prob, Bob, that's easy money, like, I could, I, I, you know, you see this challenge, you're like, I could do that, you know, I'll have that done in a week, I'll beat that person, like, I'll overcome that obstacle, but then this challenge metaphorically speaking, grabs you by the underwear, lifts you up, puts you on a coat hanger, and you're embarrassed in front of all your friends, but because of this challenge. Have you ever had that happen before? I have. Earlier this year, on my bucket list was to climb Table Mountain in Cape Town, South Africa. So I was there earlier this year, and I did my research. I'm like, all right, I want to find a path that is not too hard, but not too easy. I don't want to make it too easy for me. I want to, I mean, it'll be a little bit of a challenge, and I'm going to climb this mountain, and it's, I'm going to, it's going to be amazing. So the day comes, me and my brother-in-law, Ryan Harmon, uh, we go, and my wife there is there, and my amazing sister, Jenna, and they take the tram, and we're ready. We get up early. We get the right shoes on. We put the right shorts on, hats, sunnies. We drive to the city, stop at a gas station to get water. I have asthma. I take my puffer and I'm good to go. I'm ready. I'm at the base of this mountain. And this hike, I'll be honest, like it was projected to be like a one to two hour hike, depending on how fit you are. And so I said to the girls, I'm like, yo, just, just take the tram. We'll meet you up there in about an hour. -ish. You know, confident, like I'm ready to do this. What's up? So we begin to hike. Feeling good. First hundred meters. Everything's fine. No problems. It's all G. I'm keeping up with my skinnier brother-in-law, Ryan. Uh, but by, by about 125 meters, I, I, man, I am panting. My calves are burning. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm having second thoughts. Like, and everything's a competition between Ryan and I. So he's like, really, James? Come on, man. Get in shape, bro, you lazy bum. Like, come on, you can do this. And I'm like wheezing. I'm sweating. Like, and I'm just not sure if I'm going to make it. So I stopped for water. I'm like, bro, can we take a break? Please, 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 please. So I got this almost two-liter bottle of water. And I'm like ready to have this ice-cold drink. I'm ready to down it. I'm ready to like just go to town on this water. And I crack it open. It's just it's like... 
it's just, well, the first thought, the first thing that warned me that this wasn't the right water that I wanted, it's just, you know, the, when you open a pop, it's like, like, so what I ended up buying in South Africa, not because the language is different, they all, it's English on all the labels, but I ended up buying this lemon carbonated fizzy drink that I had breakfast, and what it ended up doing was destroying my hydration, which is one of the most important rules of life, and it just made my breakfast feel bloated. Like, it was brutal. So we break, I'm like, whatever, I'll just have to do it. It's better to have some sort of liquid in my body than none. And we continue on. And after 7,000 lunges of up through like three foot, four foot, five foot high rocks, I don't know how I can stretch my legs that high, but I did it. And about 30 breaks later, and a lot of embarrassment because kids, embarrassment because kids are passing me, like Ryan's annoyed, like, you know, I, I, I wanted to die and go to heaven. We're like, we're almost up there. And guess what happens? Guess what happens? We get to this little path, and it's this little narrow path, and guess who's in front of us? A wild pack of baboons and hyenas. I'm serious, man. The baboons were like, you gotta give me a banana to pass. They're just like. The hyenas were laughing at me. It was brutal, I couldn't believe it. They're like, this is my mountain. You will not pass. I'm like panicking. I'm like, I don't want to die, be eaten alive. And I'm, I'm like, what are we going to do? So we turned around. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. But we ended up quitting. We didn't go. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen either. We finally made it to the top. And I'm like fired up. I'm like, I'm like, you know, Rocky on the Rocky movie series, like making up the stairs. I'm like, go oh, Adrian, we did it. Like, I'm like jumping, panting, cheering, like taking selfies on the top of this mountain. I feel like I'm on, I'm, I'm on the top of the world. But along the way, sadly, there were some people in worse shape than me. Thank God, like a little bit of confidence. You know, I was like, okay, I can do this. And what I, what, I, what I observed was them walking down the mountain. You know, a little bit of like discouragement on their face. They're probably, you know, like, oh, we can't do this. Like, it's too grueling. You know, they wore the wrong shoes. Like, yeah, they, they couldn't do it. They ran out of water. You know, they, they won't make it. They just, they just bailed. And they just start rolling down the mountain to their impending doom. And, and it's sad, I know. And, and it's really sad. But all of this to say, isn't this like the life of a Christian? Isn't it like the life that we live as Christians, you know, that it's a challenge where we think we got this because we said yes to coming to know Jesus with the assumption because the preacher would say like, oh man, God is with you. You will have life and life abundantly. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That if God is for you, who can be against you? That all things will work together for good. That he will never leave you or forsake you. That when we, just be, when we say yes to this whole deal, we begin to assume that it's going to be easy. But if you've been a Christian for more than six months, and if you've actually taken it seriously, you'd know that, well, there's some obstacles. Some challenges, hiccups, disappointments, struggles, and some questions that we don't get answered. Probably you've experienced this. You've had some doubts about the legitimacy of Scripture. You've wondered why God seems so mean in the Old Testament. You've maybe ran into that religious grandma at your church that just judges you for wearing a hat or having tattoos and scares you off. If you grew up in a Christian home and never really took it seriously, you move out and the motivation to go to church just isn't there anymore. 
You make some mistakes along the way and you don't know how to deal with the fallout. You pray and your prayers don't get answered and you experience disappointment. You do the things your pastor told you to do, but change doesn't come. You experience some sort of heartache or pain from someone dying, heartbreak from a relationship or fill in the blank with the bad situation you've experienced. Maybe someone at college, they ridicule you for being a Christian. Someone from church leadership maybe hurts you even though they had good intentions. Maybe they hurt you and let you down. Maybe you can't reconcile why, why God would say homosexuality is wrong when he says to love everyone. Maybe you feel like the church just wants your money and time but won't pour anything back into you. Or you have a hard time feeling God when you pray. Or, when you, or sometimes when you pray, you feel like it's just hitting the ceiling. He's not answering your prayers and the list goes on. And you go down the list of challenges that come to absolutely everyone who believes and we're left wondering, man, why is this so hard? Why is, it, why is it so hard? Well, it's partly because surely in our day and age, you, I'm not assuming this, but a lot of times I hear this, that sometimes when the preacher makes that call, you didn't properly get notified what it's actually going to cost you. You didn't get taught what it actually means to become a follower of Christ. You put your hand up and prayed, had an encounter, felt something real, but didn't realize it was going to be this hard. It's hard as being a soldier or an athlete or a farmer. And you end up running into a brick wall that awakens you to the reality that this whole thing, being a Christian, it's not that easy. And what I find more and more often is people with good intentions, a great heart, lots of excitement, either just can't or won't pay the price because they didn't count the cost. They didn't think it would be this hard. They didn't know this is what they were getting into. Maybe you've been there, they'd be like, man, like, like the preacher said, God has got me, I'm covered, I'm chosen, I'm forsaken. It's all grace, man, like by his grace, right? I can't earn it, it's a gift to me. And, and yes, that's true, like Cody was saying, of course, there is freedom in it. But as Dallas Willard said, he says, grace is opposed to earning, it isn't opposed to effort. Earning is an attitude and effort is playing our part. By grace, we freely receive our ticket into heaven, but the cost of becoming a disciple is more than most of us could imagine. See, every day following Jesus, it takes effort. And the grace we've been given will be wasted if there isn't effort on the other side of it. It's the wrong quote, by the way. But we tend to forget. Here's what we tend to forget. Is that getting saved is not the end of it, but it's just the beginning of it. That sanctification, becoming more Christ-like, is a lifelong process. And ultimately, it, it, it ultimately is the goal, the prize, the harvest, the victory, that when the end of our lives come, that we enter into heaven looking a lot more like Jesus. Be Why? Because we apprenticed under him. We obeyed him. We trust him. We practiced what he practiced. We did the things he did. We became his disciples. This, my friends, is the reward that you will inherit if you count the cost, this is the quote that Dallas Willard said. He said this, the greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs, and we know that that's true, is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians will become disciples. 
students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily, notice that word, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of heaven into every corner of human existence. See, the issue is not whether we get salvations, hands in a service, or decisions made. The issue we are facing is whether we, as Willard said, will actually become disciples. And the challenge with this is one is free and the other costs you everything. And in our culture of consumerism, the things that cost money, well, if it isn't trendy or an absolute necessity, it gets put on the back burner right quick. And becoming a disciple of Jesus is not exactly the trendiest or cheapest thing. The only way we're going to form into the likeness of Christ is through counting the cost and saying, I will pick up these spiritual disciplines and pick up my cross daily. Luke's, Jesus said this in Luke 9, verse 23 to 25. Then he said to all of them, whoever wants to be my what? Disciple. Not just, I made a quick decision. But disciple must what? Y'all didn't want to say that. Y'all were sheepish when, you, when I said, what, what, what does it say? Sorry, one more time. A little bit louder, a little, a little bit more excitement. Y'all aren't excited to do that because nobody wants to deny themselves. I don't. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet lose or forfeit their very self? That's the cost of discipleship. It's a daily cost and it costs you everything. So maybe you're sitting there thinking like, man, why would I do that? <laughs> like, well, you know, like, why would I practice them? Why would we put effort in them? Why would I shape my lives around them and with them and around them? Why would I give up everything I have to become an apprentice of Jesus? Well, the answer is simple. Because being a devoted apprentice to Jesus is the only route, and I repeat, the only route to eternal happiness. We all want happiness. It's the only way to actual fulfillment. It's the only way to life and life abundantly. It is the only way to actually save your life. But on a more practical note, becoming a disciple of Jesus is finding your true self. And we all want that. Discovering who you were truly made to be. Someone who was made in the image of God, that was tainted by sin, but was destined to be transformed in the likeness of our creator. Becoming a disciple of Jesus is aligning the heavens and earth. It's seeing God's plan fall into place. It's fulfilling the desire of Jesus, which is to make disciples. It's coming into our true self. And we've all wondered who we truly are. Haven't you wondered why you're here? Have you thought about what your purpose is, why you exist, where you belong, who you are? Of course, we've all pondered those questions. We've all longed to become our true self, but we have unfortunately sometimes searched in all the wrong places, and we have been led to our demise. That is selfishness and not selflessness. And, but there's good news. Look no further. Your truest self is standing right in front of you, and it's not me. It's Jesus. Jesus is your truest self, who you were designed, created, knitted in your mother's womb to become. Like Christ, Christians, little Christ. 
image bearers of God. And he's the one who will help you, mold you, shape you, form you into who you were truly made to be. And yes, there's a cost to it, of course. The best things in life usually aren't free, but you have to weigh it out. The co- we have to weigh these two things out. There also is a cost to not becoming a disciple of Christ. Because whether you know it or not, and you may be paying this cost already, you are becoming a disciple of someone. But the question is, is who are you becoming a disciple of? A disciple of Jesus or a disciple of the world? And you have to weigh it out, friends. Because the cost of becoming a disciple of the world, there's massive ramifications to it. That will cost you everything, but it will only leave you with nothing. And we know that. How many successful people in the world, by the world's standards, are miserable inside? We know becoming a disciple of the world, man, will cost us. We know it deep down inside. And if we don't intentionally make the shift towards becoming a disciple of Jesus, we will unintentionally be formed into someone we certainly don't want to be. And if you really just can't get over the hump of the first two reasons why we should become a disciple, think of it this way. Who at the end of your life do you want people to remember you for, as, or as or for? What do you want your kids to say about you if you want kids? What do you really want to be known for? When you die, and you will, it's inevitable, we're all terminal. When we die, what will we be remembered for? Someone who could be known as selfish, self-serving, greedy, unkind, unloving, that all they cared about was themselves and their pleasure, or, or, or they, all they went after was their personal happiness because that's what the world taught them to do, or would you want to be remembered as someone who was selfless, servant-hearted, kind, caring, generous, loved people deeply, followed Jesus closely, and at the end of their life looked a lot more like Jesus. And as a byproduct of doing that, they actually achieved eternal happiness. You want to be that person. You want to be known for that. See, I think we all do. You do, I do, we do. We, we want to be known for these types of character traits. But sometimes, if we're honest, if it seems so unrealistic or so far off or, or too difficult and, well, yeah, yeah, it's hard, no doubt. But becoming like Jesus was never meant to be an overnight transformation like we're used to in our world of instant gratification. Becoming like Jesus, as I've said many times, was always meant to be a lifelong process and a journey you go on and a long obedience in the same direction as Eugene Peterson described it so well. Are we, and, and are we alone in this? No, we have each other. We got the church. We have so much support, more than we could know on helping us on this journey. And not only that, there's even better news we got the Spirit of God pushing us forward. Picking us up when we fall down and carrying us through the difficult seasons. Yeah, becoming a disciple isn't easy. We know that now. But the Spirit of God will do all the heavy lifting. Because this journey that he has called us to go on, that wasn't my idea. It wasn't your idea. It was God's idea. So he certainly will help you in times of weakness 
And this, friends, was the plan A from the beginning, that, that we would be in relationship with the Father, children becoming like their daddy, carrying his name, representing his heart, dispensing his resources. Man, friends, from the beginning of time, yeah, that was always the plan, that it would be a partnership between God and humans to bring renewal to all things here on earth. Because surely God, he, yeah, man, he could have done it on his own. He could have snapped his fingers, saved the world, renewed all things. It would have been all good. But he chose not to. He chose to do with us, with me, with you. And it goes back to the age-old saying that dated back to the 4th century from St. Augustine, Augustine, I don't know how you say it. says this, without him we can't, but without us he won't. Say it one more time. Without him we can't. You say it with me. But without us, he won't. See, he so deeply desires to bring the world transformation with his children, his people, his friends. And this can only happen through us, partnered with the Holy Spirit. It can only happen through us if we actually become a disciple of Jesus, not just a convert, but an apprentice. And here's what will happen when we do this. Here's what God was always looking to do. Here's what from generation to generation he has longed to do and has done in past. As a result of our intentionality, choosing to become a disciple of Jesus, what will happen is the story that we read at the top, and we're going to go back to that. You can put it back up on the screen. What will happen? New wine will be poured out. Now, wine in the scriptures always represented God's blessing, joy, and celebration. And the point of this text Jesus is getting at is people ask him, he's like, man, why, why, don't you, why don't your disciples fast like we do, which is a spiritual discipline, which we will talk about. But catch this. He simply answers it like this. It's not the season for it. He says this, the bridegroom, which he was speaking about himself, being the bridegroom and him about to die and go away and sacrifice his life for his bride, which is the church, which is you and I. He was saying this. He's like, see, hey, Right now, the bridegroom is still with him, so it is time for a spiritual discipline that is called celebration. Man, we got a party. We got, we got to do that. That is a spiritual discipline. They're not all like, oh, gosh, man, I got to give up this and this and this and this. There's a lot of spiritual disciplines that are absolutely fun, and they're all fun, but some are maybe just harder than others for other people. Maybe for the introvert, you going to a party and celebrating things, that's quite difficult. Maybe for the introvert, you being alone and reading your Bible and praying is really easy. For me as an extrovert, me doing that is incredibly difficult. But check this out. He says this, verse 16. No one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and a worse tear result. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskin bursts, and the wine pours out, and, and wineskins are ruined. But they, but they put new wine into fresh wineskins, and both are preserved. What is he saying here? He's making a point that it is unwise for someone to pour their wine into an old wineskin that is old, dried, and cracked and old. Why? Now, check this out. Here is, I couldn't find wineskins on Amazon. So, this is a representation of an old wineskin. See that? And this is a representation of a new wineskin. Ooh. Ah. 
I don't know if this is gonna work, but it just came to me anyways. And this is a bottle of non-alcoholic grape juice because that's what they drank in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It wasn't fermented. Your mother was right. Now when? When God pours out his new wine and it goes into an old wineskin, which could be some of us. Why? Because we don't practice spiritual disciplines. What happens? I poke some holes in it to make it seem like it's old. What happens? It doesn't smell good. It's not the good stuff. I was on a budget. I'm sorry. What happens is whatever God gives you just goes straight through you and not in a good way. Now, hope this works. This is a new wineskin. New. When you pour the wine in, Dang it! No, I was pouring it on the side. Oh, gosh, whatever, you get the point. I couldn't find a wineskin on Amazon. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you get it. You get it. When it's a new wineskin that is kept fresh, that is kept regal. I don't know, if is that the right word? I got wine on my Bible now, that's fine. Grape juice, grape drink. Um, when a new wineskin is ready for wine, it's ready to, to, to receive God's blessing, provision, anointing, and power because the wineskin is made fresh through the spiritual disciplines that you participate in. What spiritual disciplines do is they strengthen you, fortify you, make you fit spiritually, strong emotionally, wise in mind, and courageous in spirit. And then what happens is when, and I, I say when intentionally, not if, but when God pours out his spirit, his new wine in Calgary again, and when this happens, you will be ready for it. We will be ready for it, ready to receive it, ready to steward it, ready to use God's blessings to multiply. And as Willard said, live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of existence. But some, I'll just lift up both, some will be like the old wineskin. And the wine will be ruined the wineskin being ourselves, we're the wineskin in this picture because we're not ready for it. We will be ruining again a short history lesson of Tehillah. Now we had a revival. God poured out his new wine. It was lit. 6,000 people in two years gave their lives to Jesus already, rededicated their lives at this altar. It's amazing. But for that. God did amazing things, but okay, thanks, thanks guys. But, and hear my heart behind this, because not all of it was bad. But a lot of those people left bitter and angry, hurt, resentful towards God, angry at the church. Why? Because they weren't being discipled. They weren't being discipled into practicing the things that Jesus practiced. 
They weren't, they weren't being taught how to make a proper new wineskin that could hold all the wine God wanted to pour out into them. They didn't take advantage of their spiritual disciplines. And I can't speak to everything that was taught there, but I know for a fact, hearing from the leaders that were there, they sat in a room and asked, what are we going to do with all these people? We can't disciple them. This isn't a church. This isn't our church. What are we going to do? And they just said, well, let go and let God, which is not a good idea. So we got to take these disciplines seriously because not only will we be able to hold the wine of God and be able to pour, be able to steward God's blessing, anointing, what spiritual disciplines, not only will they do that, but they will prepare you for the mountain climb that's ahead of you. That is being a Christian because life isn't easy. It's much like climbing Table Mountain. For me, it was a struggle, to say the least. Following Jesus isn't easy, as I said. Man, we have an enemy that is so eagerly trying to kill, steal, and destroy every single one of you from inheriting the life and life abundantly that God has destined you to do. And things will happen. People will get sick. You will be hurt. Disasters will come. Heartbreak will happen. Terrible things will occur. But what prepares you to climb over those mountains, over those obstacles, is spiritual disciplines. If I would have just been disciplined physically, it would have made me climbing Table Mountain a lot easier. I wouldn't have to take so many breaks if I just laid off the McDoubles and fries, man, hit the gym once in a while. Like, it would have been a lot easier. And don't hear this. Don't read into what I'm saying here. Can any amount of spiritual disciplines prepare you for the sudden death of a loved one? Maybe the abuse you've experienced or the divorce you're walking through or your parents or whatever or whatever mishap may have come your way. No, they're not going to prepare you for it. But... What they will do is give you strength to walk over them. I'm telling you. How will they do that? And you're sitting there thinking, well, how are they going to do that? It's because these spiritual disciplines that we are going to talk about these next few weeks will strengthen you and found you and root you in the Lord in reliance on the Spirit of God, and He will carry you through them. It's just the truth. Your strength will not just be from you going through those tough situations, hardening yourself, shoving everything under the rug and ignoring it, but your strength through spiritual disciplines will be developed into reliance on God, trust in his heart, courage from his word, and perseverance stemmed from being in the secret place with him. And now, my friends, that's who we all want to be. We don't want to just get knocked out of the game. You know, we don't want to get fouled. We don't, we, we, don't, we don't want to just quit when one bad situation comes to us and it's going to happen. You don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. When, you know, trials and tribulations will come. They will definitely come. But how we work through it, because we are strong in the Lord, because we've done our spiritual exercises and we're ready for battle and we're founded and rooted in discipleship with Jesus, we are able to overcome them because we were with Jesus. We became like him. We did the things he did by practicing the things he practiced. And heck, man, Jesus even did these spiritual disciplines. All these disciplines we're going to talk about are only found in the lifestyle of Jesus. 
They're not just good made up ideas. They're, they are things that Jesus practiced on a regular basis. And this is where Jesus drew his strength from. This is where he derived his power from. This is where he received his anointing from was these disciplines that he practiced. Those were the things that we're going to talk about. And we're only, we're only covering a very small portion. There's many disciplines. We're covering 10. But those were some of the primary things that he did to tap into his father's strength, to tap into the spirit of God's strength. God, Jesus gave up all his deity. He didn't have any automatic power. He was human just like you and I. And he had to do all of these things to tap into the strength of God. He was still being formed into the likeness of God. Even though he was, and he gave up his deity and power, lots of theology behind that, but he even did that. So as I close and the band comes back up, in this season, Tehila, as a friend, as just a person, as a Christian, I'm calling us as a community to venture into becoming more like Jesus. And how we're going to do that is through three avenues. First, teaching, which you're already in. Pat yourself on the back. And side note, this maybe just annoys me, but, and I get it. I totally get it. Some people just come for worship because the worship's lit. But side note, if you see somebody leaving because worship's over, man, just say, bro, yo, girl. God's presence is just as much in the word as it is in the, pre as it is in the worship. God's power works just as much through worship and, and when they come together, bam, that's when things shift. Now I get it, sometimes preaching's bad, it's all good, but sometimes worship's bad too. Fortunately, we have good worship here. Hit or miss preaching, we're working on it. We're working on it, guys. But we're gonna teach from the Bible and the history of the saints that practice these spiritual disciplines to become transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And we will go over so actually 12 spiritual disciplines that are primary in the growth and advancements of a Christian. The second thing we're going to do, the second avenue, is we will give practical questions and practices to help you implement these spiritual disciplines one at a time into your life because nobody masters them overnight. Take it. All we got to do is take one bad habit, Netflix, listening to Cardi B, listening to whomever, fill in the blank of garbage music you listen to, taking that habit out of your life and placing then in something that is actually going to make you better. Cardi B took a, isn't she on retirement or something like that? I swear she took a retirement. She's focused on her family. Whatever, whatever. I, never mind. I just saw that on Instagram. Maybe that's the thing that you got to take a break from. But take one bad habit, surrender to the Lord, and pick something else up. Trade it in for a new spiritual discipline. Now, many of these practices, and a lot of this teaching comes from that guy I mentioned earlier, John Mark Homer, and his church, Bridgetown Church, which he, from afar and from close up, I went to his church for a few years in Portland. He has been impacting my life. He's one of my spiritual heroes, even though he's not that old. If you do want a good podcast, check out This Cultural Moment, How to Be a Christian in Our Today's Society and Culture. And he also, their Bridgetown podcast is absolutely incredible. And a lot of this stuff we're going to talk about comes from his teaching. But he developed this thing because he's taking his whole church through this called practicingtheway.org. Write that down, practicingtheway.org. Repeat it to me. And we're going to talk about a lot of the things that are on that website that help you as a resource 
to help you grow. What we're also going to do, as you see here, is we're going to suggest a few books for all those keeners out there. Maybe you're in college and you're like, I could use another book. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Maybe you don't like reading? Buy the audiobook. Whatever. Literally, here's the trick. You want to get through your books quickly? Get the audiobook and put it on two times speed, and then you'll basically catch the main points. Or really, here's another trick. If you're in college, and you, maybe Bible college, I don't know about real university, but in Bible college, literally just read the, 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 the contents in the front of the book. Like, okay, what's the main points? Read the first paragraph and the last paragraph of each chapter, and you'll know what it is. <laughs> read the introduction and the conclusion. Every good author, if they're good, will have a summary. I'm just kidding. Read the whole thing. Get the most out of it. We're going to suggest a few books and resources that will be presented at each message that you can go buy on Amazon, and if you really want it badly, DM us, and we will order them for you, pay for the shipping, and hopefully give you it at a discounted cost, but only if you're that interested in it. We've tried to do this before, where we as a community read some books together, and three people reached out, but I'm just going to say this as a side note, I'm tired uh, maybe this is just me being ignorant, so just ignore this if it hurts your feelings. But I'm tired of preaching messages. Uh, and I'll just speak to myself first. I'm tired of listening to messages and not doing something different. I'll just leave it at that. Not that we have control over your life. That's not what I'm doing here. But I think there's more in us. More to learn, more to grow. So if you're, not on, if you're not following us on TLYYC on Instagram or Facebook, just go follow it. We'll post those there, links to purchase them, etc. And yeah, nobody masters them overnight. But the third thing we're going to do is nobody masters these disciplines alone. So we're going to try something new at Tehila. And we've done it a couple times, and sometimes it's hit or miss or not. I know we all like to have social hour and hang out and do all that jazz, and I'm so for that, don't hear me. I love just hanging out, going for wings and whatever. Like, I love that. But what we're gonna try to do is find a group here at Tehila that you see almost every single Monday because chances are a lot of you come with a group of friends from your church, college, or school, or community, or whatever. You come with a group of friends and you leave with that group of friends. And what we're going to do is come up with a discussion guide every single Monday night that either before or after Tehillah, you can go to the pub or go to Wendy's or out in the lobby and discuss what was talked about. Because God's design for transformation of each and every single one of us to become like Jesus was always meant to be done in community. It just always was. That when you got saved, you got saved into a family, not into the individualism that the world teaches us. Oh, do it on your own. Oh, you know, you are, you, you do you. Like, no, 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 no. You got saved into a family, into a community. So my encouragement to you is tap some friends. Tap a person if you came alone. And maybe this is a great opportunity for you to cross that room and tap that girl's shoulder and say, hey, what's up? You want to practice with me? You know, there's the practice discipline of laying on of hands. Like, we could try some of that. Like, you know, it could be cool speaking in tongues. We'll show you my interpretation of tongues. Like, you know, it could be great. Like, don't do that. Don't be weird. Don't be weird. Don't be awkward. But I am calling us as a community to Hila to grow intentionally together, to grow in Christ together. And please, 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 as I went on a little tangent, just don't let these teachings, because we got a world-class lineup of teachers 
coming to teach us the scriptures and to learn from them. And man, just, just, just don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Please bring a notebook, bring a paper Bible to church. Man, bring it to Tehillah and, and, and come ready to learn, be learners. The best thing you could ever be is a learner. My mom said, James, if you could be one thing is be teachable. Don't be so ignorant or so prideful or so you think you got this down that you're not willing to learn. Come ready to learn. Come ready to learn. Find a group. Take that step. Don't be weird. Don't just make this your desperate, because we've done small groups before, and it, uh, it, some were really great, but sometimes it just ended up being, never mind, I won't say that. Rebuke myself. It was good. We're not making small groups again. We're not a church. We're not a church, I'll say that again. If this is your church, don't settle for this as your church. I get it, some of us work shift work. There's plenty of local churches that have a Saturday night service, a Sunday night service, figure it out. We aim at Tehillah not to be a church, but to resource the church. And if you're coming here, and again, you're settling, let us connect you, or you just can't find one, you just don't know where to fit, let us connect you into a church. We're probably gonna point to you to a church. I know hundreds of pastors in the city, I'll give you their phone numbers, and they will connect you in, hopefully to a church that is actually in your community, because I think, where you live, because I think going to church, driving to church is not a bad thing, I do it. I, I couldn't afford living in this community, I'd be a millionaire, but we're gonna do that. So, as we do this, Tehillah, here's what I believe will happen. And here's another sermon illustration. As we do this, what I believe is it'll prepare us for the new wine to come out. And what it'll do is you put the title sermon series back on the screen. What it'll do is become a spark. The spiritual disciplines that we do will be a light, a fire that will be contagious with the love of Jesus that as we engage, the fire begins to burn. And as we turn up the volume or turn down the volume, you can, I'm running out of gas, whatever. You can do that by playing your part in it. So let's burn brighter. Let's let the fire of God be fueled by the things that we do. Amen? Let's stand and pray. And after I pray, we're gonna worship for a bit because I felt like God wanted to still worship. I wasn't planning on doing worship again. I felt like God wanted to do some more work and we'll invite the prayer team up. If maybe you gotta repent of being lackadaisical or just chilling in your faith. Maybe you gotta repent and we'd love to pray with you through that. But there'll be questions up on the screen that you can take a picture of, screenshot, and go to Limericks or wherever you go and uh, do that, as well as you saw the resources. So let me pray. God, thank you so much. God, thank you so much that God, you're with us. You're with us. You said in your word that what you begin, you will be faithful to finish. And some of us in here feel like quitting. Some of us in here feel like giving up. Some of us in here feel like, why am I doing this? What's the point of this? Father, I pray for those that are maybe in that spot or maybe will be one day in that spot. Father, I pray right now that your presence would come and engage them. 
and you'd light a fire in their heart that would set their will, purpose their will to go practice these spiritual disciplines that form themselves into the likeness of Jesus, the likeness of your son, Father. Father, I pray for the Holy Spirit to come that this would not just be another great series, but God, that it would be a season that shifts things. That as we felt the significance on tonight, God doing, stirring the pause, stirring the emotions, stirring the heart, stirring the passion, stirring the spirits, stirring the minds, stirring whatever thing we lean on the most, stirring those things that we would then be able to enter in and go towards being a bright light that shines in our city and not go be that light and you don't know how or you weren't trained how, but be that light because we practiced, because we were taught, because we were shown how to live like you, Jesus, not just out on a whim, just doing whatever. Jesus, we know, I'm a little bit preaching here, sorry. Uh, Jesus, we know that, that you trained your disciples for three years and some of them failed so what would be what would make us we're not we're not we're not impenetrable or we're not we're not um, uh, we're not uh, we're not exempt from this God Judas failed Peter failed Three years with the master, with the rabbi, with the teacher, they failed. So God, we desperately need your spirit to help us do this, to help us be formed into your likeness, God. We desperately need your spirit here in Calgary, here at Tehillah, as we in unity, as a family, say yes. That's what Rav was singing tonight. Yes. I say yes to you, God. I say yes to you, God. I say yes to you, God. And this song we're going to sing, that it would be our anthem for this next season as we move forward together as a family. So God, I thank you so much for your love and your grace.